it's always about the change in the person. The, the stories aren't about, I was in, uh, you know, I was in China and this happened and it was amazing and I got a photo of it. It's, I, I was here and this is how it changed me into the person I am today and this is why it was so beneficial to me. Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travelers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Hello, welcome back to the Travel Stories Podcast. Thanks for being here. And thanks so much for all your kind words and everything like that. I love getting your emails. Email me, Hayden, at TravelStoriesPodcast.com, by the way. H-A-Y-D-E-N. I do answer everything, and I love answering everything. You guys are the best, man. Anyway, today is a slightly different version of the Travel Stories Podcast because I am no longer the host. I will be after this one, but for this one, I am the guest. Our host today is Jackie Nurse from The Budget-Minded Traveler, an amazing travel podcast that taught me a few good lessons about how to travel, how to travel on a budget, how to save up for travel, where to go, what to do, who to see. It's a great podcast. I thoroughly thoroughly recommend checking it out the budget-minded traveler so as i said for this one it's it's my turn in the hot seat and it's my story you guys have been asking for this one for a while so i thought why not i've got a few stories up my sleeve so i think i'll bring one today anyway thanks again for listening and let's dive into it you're listening to the travel stories podcast and this is me hayden lee Hi, Jackie. How you doing? Good. Good, good. Thanks so much for coming on and being the host of the Travel Stories podcast today. I, I oh, was thinking, my pleasure. This is my honor. <laughs> I was thinking, I want to do one of my own stories, but who should I get to host? And there was a list of one, and luckily she accepted. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I know. That, that's amazing. Thank you so much. No, I'm happy to be here. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, Matt. I couldn't couldn't think of anyone better for the job. So loving it. Thank you very much. And the bit I'm loving about this is the kind of the pressure is a little bit taken off me. I don't need to think of what to say so much. I can just react. Oh, it's great. I'm loving this. (laughs) (laughs) I totally feel you. I've had hosts, uh, co-host, or I guess like takeover hosts on my own show before too. And and it's a strange relief, although it's still you that's creating the content. You know, it's it's just kind of an interesting dynamic. It's weird. It's, Maybe I should get someone on every single episode and uh, huh? just <laughs> take a back seat. That'd be great. <laughs> so how's okay. it going? Um, great. I actually am in, back in Montana. Last I talked to you, I think I was in Argentina or some crazy far off place. Where are, where are you today? <laughs> today I am in Shropshire, where my home base in England. So Shropshire okay. is this lovely little kind of rural countryside um, county in England, and I live in a place called Newport, which is a an old kind of market town. It's full of old people and incredibly young people, their grandsons and granddaughters, and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Yeah. Have you? So that's where you grew up. Yeah. Strangely enough, I grew up just about maybe ten miles down the road in a little village, and there's kind of nothing else around but cows and sheep and me. 
<laughs> so yeah, kind of fun. But yeah, after after I came back from India because I had to come back because I got dengue fever and the oh hospital failed me miserably. So I thought, oh no. Yeah, so I thought I'll just get on a plane, head back. So here I am. <laughs> so what happened in between uh, growing up there and India? How did you get into travel in the first place? Oh man, good question. So. Let's see, where did it all start? Um, well, my mother is a hippie and my dad is a biker and they met in the hey. 70s, I believe. This is going way back. Okay, let's go forward a bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the Tuesday, no. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I grew up in Edgemont, a little rural village from these hippie biker parents. And then I soon realized when I was around 11 or so that... I was kind of different to everyone else, so I didn't want to join everyone with what they were doing, and I realized that I'm not like these people, and I soon got into punk rock music. I was a big punk rocker. Um, I'm not afraid to admit it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that's the mo- so mohawk funny. and everything. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. should see some of my old pictures. Oh, man, they're hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Anyway, so I got into punk rock, and that started on this this kind of discovery of this alternate way of thinking this way against the against the mainstream against the scripts that we're brought up with you you grow up you get a job and then you get a better job and then you get a car and then you die you know Uh, well there's a lot in between the car and the death but uh yeah anyways um right so then what happened then i remember i'll skip a few years and i'm living in nottingham which is a city in england i got there by we were touring with the band and um, me and the guitar player met these two Brazilian sisters and we stayed in Nottingham. The band broke up and we just stayed there. So, okay. so three years later, I said to my then girlfriend, I said, man, we should just pick up everything, just sell everything and just move to Australia. And she was like, yeah, let's do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's the best answer ever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we did. Yeah, and um, for no excuses. Yeah, that's it. And it kind of went from there, really. You know, as soon as you taste that that freedom that comes in the traveling, I think it's very hard to get rid of. And you're always, I think, always chasing that feeling of freedom. I think I've felt, I think I've felt it in its in one of its purest forms to me in my experience. Maybe once or twice, one specific time is in my mind, but but I think you're always chasing that. You know. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, so going from Australia, went all through, well, everywhere, really, and then ended up at some point in India, got dengue fever. This is the fourth time I almost died. And so I thought, well, should probably go back. (laughs) And I know that that's not the story that you're um, wanting to tell today, but but that... Mm. Uh, how did you get dengue fever? What ha- like what happened? Did you is it from a was it from a mosquito bite and was it just a mosquito bite gone bad? Yeah, so um, you get it from mosquito bites, and so I I never found the bite. Like well, I never looked for the bite. I was too busy being depressed oof, and ill. Sick and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so um, yeah, so I never found the bite. But uh, yeah, I must assume it was some horrible mosquito. I wish I could see him now. Oh gosh, he's long dead. Don't worry. I think I think you won that battle. Okay, good. Yeah, I survived. He's yeah. Okay, uh, um, that makes me happy. Thanks, dude. Yeah, uh, you know it's the truth, honestly. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so I was in this ashram, and and then I got. I remember it was the day after I went round the Beatles ashram. So in Rishikesh, it's where the Beatles went in 1965, 66. Ah, uh, okay. Or 67, maybe. And they wrote the white there, and so I went in their ashram, and it's their old 
uh, old one with the old yogi and whatnot and it was it was intense because you're not allowed in there and so there's a there's a couple of police on the front and you, you know they say you can't come in so and i already knew this so i went around the back you know <laughs> and oh, so gosh. you gotta go through all this jungle and forest and whatnot jungle you gotta go through all this forest and everything <laughs> and um and then i was climbing over this fence to get in and there's this thing on the fence like keep out do not enter in all of these different ways that you could say that phrase it was like do not come in here <laughs> you know and, and like, you thought oh i'm gonna go in of course of course <laughs> so, but it was amazing i remember coming out of this forest area and seeing these i mean it was like uh when i first got in there was about 10 or 15 of these meditation pods and you can look them up on on google and they're kind of maybe 10 feet tall and they're made out of these balls these 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 rock balls and it's like they're kind of the shape of a, of a ball or a football if you listen to in, mm-hmm. in the uk and um they're, it's just massive and they they look like alien spaceships they're amazing and I just I was like man I need to stay here for a very long time this is awesome mm. oh yeah and I went to Jen, Lo- J- uh, Jen Lonnon's John Lennon's um, meditation Sweet. pod uh, the one that everyone says that was his one that's where he went and meditated went in there full 3G service on the phone you can't beat that Oh my goodness. (laughs) How crazy is that, right? Technology is crazy, seriously, these days. It really is. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that John Lennon was not connected while he was there though. Uh, Well, you'd like to think, (laughs) I I don't know. I'd like to think if he was, he'd be posting Instagrams, you know, he'd be doing selfies like, yeah. Yeah, Hashtag peace, you know. Beatles today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be weird, but. (laughs) Yeah. So then India, that, so that was a huge thing for you. How long were you there? India, oh man, uh, I'm not too good at times. Only a few months, something like that. Okay. It seems like maybe only a few months, but it, it really left a lasting impact on you, hey? Yeah, it was it was rather intense in India. It was it was so so different. I think everywhere is is very different. I mean, obviously everywhere is very different to everywhere else, but right. in they're also good in all these all these different ways, and they're also bad in all these different ways. Not that there's many, but for example, in Vietnam, I went from the south to the north on a motorbike, and that was a completely different experience to, for example, living in an ashram in India. I mean, just the mm-hmm. surroundings I- itself just makes it a completely different experience. You're more not domesticated, but you're more grounded when you're when you're kind of living in a place for a while, rather rather than traveling through on a motorbike, you know? Mm-hmm, so absolutely. All, that's it. It's all different experiences. But India's, yeah, it's definitely a lasting impression. It's it's a weird one. It's no, weird. you know what's really cool is as you're, you're, you are so struggling to explain this right now, <laughs> yes. it's one of those things that you just have to go and see. That's exactly what it is. It's so hard to put into to explain just using words. What can words yeah. do when it when you come to experiences and and connections like that? What can words do? Barely anything, you know. You know that's really interesting because I the way that I think of India because I have not been there. Hmm. Um, I've not been there yet, but I feel like India is a sensory experience, and you just really simply put it. You know, it's hard to describe in words. You have to feel it. You have to see it. You have to taste it and smell it. It's colorful and vibrant. And one of those places where just it, everything is is challenging and there's stories happening, unfolding before your eyes just everywhere. I, I feel like that's what I see India as. And so it doesn't surprise me that that words aren't enough. 
Mm, that's I, I would agree wholeheartedly. That's exactly what it is. All of your senses are just full to the brim with all of this experience. You look somewhere and you see something completely crazy or completely amazing. And you, you all the things you're hearing and the smell, God damn, the smell. And there's, so, <laughs> there's so many things. It's absolutely crazy. And you touched on something which was... The fact of stories, like you, you hear a lot of stories from India and, and being able to explain a place using words. But I think stories, they really, really help to try and bring this experience because you bring in something new when you use stories to explain a place or a feeling or an emotion. That's the primary reason that poetry or music exists, mm-hmm. because how do you explain how do you explain love? How do you explain hate? In a poem or a piece of music, you can do it so easily. And I think stories just completely cross that border, you know? I completely. And I also think that they they play a role in, and here I go trying to put this into words, but <laughs> they they play a role in carrying those experiences with us for the rest of our lives and sharing them with others. Because if we didn't talk about them and share the stories and create things from our experiences like this, they would remain in our past, you know, and they would remain kind of shut in time, but we have to talk about them. And so that's where these stories come from. And I don't know, did that make sense? Was that deep? Oh, <laughs> that was so deep. That was like a poem in itself. <laughs> but uh, no, I, <laughs> no, I completely agree. It's like when you when you come back from somewhere and someone says, how was it? You go, yeah, it was, it, it was, was magical, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and any great. word, yeah, uh, exactly. Like yeah. any word you use though, goes into their ears, into their brain, and then it's contextualized through their version of what magical or great is. And mm-hmm. it's completely subjective. But then if you tell a story that is completely from you and it can't be, it can't be subjective in their head, it has to, they have to hear what it is and all of the, the, the senses and all the experiences are there. It's entirely coming from that experience and it can't just can't be contextualized. You know, that's what I love about it. Right. And you're bringing them into your experience, Mm. something that maybe they haven't experienced before either. You know, they can only count on you to hear that. And and then there's more. It kind of leaves you with a sense of adventure, a sense of, I don't know, at least for me, wanting more. I mean, I'm in this place right now where I've just been no. I mean, I, okay, I'm sleeping on a couch, so I'm not really settled, but, and I still have my backpack, but I am now, I have returned to the place where I took off from nine months ago Hmm. and I've traveled around the world and back since then. And suddenly I find myself in a familiar place again where I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, what just happened? You know? Um, And so I am challenging myself to not let go of that, to tell the stories, to create so that I can bring everything that just happened to life here where people here are still living the life here that I left nine months ago. You you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. I know exactly what you mean. That's yeah, so great. Because okay. <laughs> like I had this guy on, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry to whoever. I think it was Richard Fu. Anyway, so we were saying about when you come back from traveling, you come back from a, a magical experience and you come back into, quote, normal life. Everyone's yes. exactly the same. Everything is exactly the same, right? And you begin subconsciously to mold back into those ways and everything like that. You may become more jaded if the place you're in is more jaded, which a lot of places are more jaded than the traveling life which is 
really not jaded at all. But then you begin to mold to this this existence that you once had and that you now have again. And I said, well, well, what's your what's your experience in doing that? What's what's your advice? And he said the best thing to do in his experience is to attempt to hold on to these things because you've grown, you've you've grown so much as a person, you've gained new things in your life and you just become in your mind a better and more full person. And so, and people can't see this. They can't see this. Or they, they just see you've got a tan and you've got a few stories, right? So, so how do you, how do you keep this growth? It's acknowledging in yourself that you've grown in these ways and carrying that on, continuing this growth and trying to at least hold on to this growth rather than let it go by the wayside and mold back into, quote, normal society. Right. And that mold that that is trying to take you back in is something you've already broken free of mm. when you left. And yes. so staying on the outside and 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 using all of these things that you've learned and things that you've seen and the, you know, that your new sense of self will will keep you from from fitting back into that mold, which I think is important because oh, we have to be, you know, we, we need to, we need to be different. We need to stand out. We need to play our own role in life and it's not going to fit into a mold of other people. Like it has to be our own. And so we can't let those experiences go because that helped shape who we are now. That's it. That's exactly it. Like, like you said, everyone has their own personality. Everyone has their own experiences and the personality is somewhat shaped by the experiences. And so when you go traveling or something like this, you have all these ridiculous experiences that you come back and tell the stories of. But the reason I think that you want to tell the stories is because these stories, which are the experiences, have contributed to the growth of yourself so much. And it's like, it's like a Tony Robbins thing, man. Like these things have just contributed so much. You want, you just want to shout out out to people look this exactly. contributed so much you can do this too and all these other things and that's why i don't know i love the fact that everyone is so different because they've had such different experiences there's only one jackie i don't know anyone else like you jackie you know what i mean and yeah, it's you know i think you that's just that's what i love about it you know and i so i'm gonna segue this into this podcast because you, you're you're kind of amassing people who are then bringing their stories to your show and i love that I love it. Story time. I mean, travel stories are, you know, you're finding people who have who have changed because of these stories. There's something different about them because of the stories that they tell on this show. And I yes. think that that's, it, is that kind of what you, I mean, what was your goal like starting this podcast? Was it, was it to, to help people identify that or was it to create travelers out of your listeners or kind of a mix of everything? Yeah, well, the initial thinking of it was that, when you come back from traveling, for example, if you if you're a traveler and you come back from traveling and you want to hold on to that that feeling that you're you're part of this kind of community and with you're part of this group of people that do this thing and they know what you mean and you know what they mean, you know you're on the same wavelength. You know when you talk to someone and you're just like we're on the same wavelength, like we're yeah. we're cool, you know, like and, and <laughs> it's like that. And so living through like almost vicariously through these stories. It kind of, well, when I came back, I was just like reading, reading loads of travel books and everything like this. And it kept me in that headspace of travel and it, it fueled my, my need to travel more. And it fueled what I did to accomplish that goal of traveling more. And then the other side of it was that what I was saying before about stories, it's so hard to, to kind of let people know, like you said, these experiences and these emotions and how they've changed you. A lot of the stories, if not all of them, always they always say 
this is this is how it changed me the moral of the story is and mm -hmm. i didn't know that i would think this after this and it's always about the change in the person the the stories aren't about i was in uh, you know i was in china and this happened and it was amazing and i got a photo of it it's i, I was here <laughs> and this is how it changed me into the person i am today and this is why it was so beneficial to me and i think stories are really good at doing that like for example i think <clears throat> If you said, I went here and I did this, that's cool. But the thing about a narrative is, if I were to say to you, so I'm going to make this, um, this, what's the word, this Scandinavian Gothic uh, rock album, right? You probably wouldn't listen to it. However, if I said, right, I'm going to go into Norway and I'm going to find some disused attic or basement or even better, some kind of church I can kind of head into, head up in there, have only candles, have only Vincent Price films on, get really, really drunk every single day, become a kind of alcoholic for a week and then write an album focused on sadness and melancholy through that. Wouldn't you want to listen to that album now? You know, <laughs> that's a real plan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it changes the entire perspective. Absolutely. It really does. It, and it, you know, I mean, that might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you can't deny that it's more enticing than <laughs> I'm going to go here and do this or oh, I'm just going to create that, you know, because oh, it's, it's going to come from a, a human experience and... That's it. And it's all about those human experiences, you know. I knew people would come on and I knew that whoever they were, wherever they've been, the stories have different levels of intensity. So some could be a near-death experience where they re-found their purpose in life. And some could be they connected with a child in Canada and it was uh, glorious, you know. it's there, There's a different intensity level, but all of them have these, these same traits of personal growth and this experience that I think some of them, if not most of them, you can, or maybe even all of them, you can only get from travel, you know? Yeah. And I, I also think that it has a, I mean, we all, this is going to be kind of hard to explain, but I, I think we all need to, the reason we all need to travel on our own is because we're going to experience things different from the person next to us. Mm. You know, I mean, when you're sitting in that raft on a river, you're having, you are having a different experience than the person next to you because of where you are in your life right now. Exactly. You have an entire lifetime of experiences, of present moments, relationships, jobs, everything that, that have to, that all kind of take a part into where you are in your, in your present. And so you can't, like, there is an individual experience for everyone out there. And you're not going to know what yours is until you go and experience that for yourself. Absolutely. Just like I said, there's only one Jackie Nurse. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I've only ever traveled by myself as well. No, I've traveled with my with my ex-girlfriend her, and her sister, but that was more in the role of a... Because I think you have different roles when you're, when you're with people uh, as to whether you, if you're by yourself mm -hmm. or if you're with a group or if you're with one person, you have different roles. So in, absolutely. You know, so in, in that role, I was the... I guess the the protector you know the the protector role and I would say well we're gonna go here and we have no money what are we gonna do it's okay I'll sort it out you know it's that type mm -hmm. of thing but then if I was with someone else I wouldn't be the protector and I think I think it's nice to do it by yourself because I think there's more possibility for true honest growth because you can grow into the role that you're portraying whilst you're with someone but maybe that role is not the role assigned to yourself as a person you know? I love that. 
I really it that's a that's a that's a kind of a deep concept to to grasp but having been traveling solo for the last nine months I really love that because it is I mean I don't think I mean I'm not saying one way or another that someone should you know absolutely go out by themselves or you know and not go with people it doesn't matter like mm. just get out because you're gonna experience something either way Definitely. but to what you're saying there's there's a, a massive point behind that you know I mean when you're alone, you're the only one that needs that that's depending on you. No, you don't have to take care of or even consider another human being in your decision making, um, which is incredibly a liberating, also daunting sometimes because it's up to everything is up to you, you know. But that's where you have no choice but to sometimes step out your step outside of your comfort zone. If you don't have someone there to help you make a decision, it could be as simple as where to go to eat tonight, you know, but I mean, every single little decision is up to you. And, you know, if you miss that bus, it's up to you to figure out how to, uh, you know, find the next one or whatever it is. And you're, you're, you're kind of forced into situations where maybe you didn't expect, <laughs> you didn't expect the level of engagement that you have to have all the time. Um, when you're when you're traveling solo, but I think what that does is it enhances the experience. It enhances the sensory experience because you're so kind of more alert. You're so much more aware of what's happening, what's happening externally as and also internally when you're by yourself because your attention is is 100 percent on that moment rather than on the person next to you, which, you know, right now you and I are having a conversation. You have my entire attention. <laughs> if we were traveling together, I mean, I might be looking out the window at the mountains on the train as we're, as we're going by, but if we're having a conversation, I'm paying attention to you, you know, and, and we're having the space that we're sharing. But as soon as you, you know, are not there and I'm by myself, it just becomes like a reflection, you know? And I, I mean, I don't know, at least for me, I, 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 no, I what I see on the outside, on, yeah. I, I see it on the inside too, you know, and I, it's like exploring myself as I explore the world mm -hmm. uh, and it's fascinating. Yes, that's the perfect way to put it. I think there are benefits to uh, to going, so, for example, if you're in a romantic relationship and you go as a couple, there's some cool times you can have, sure. But I think if you're chasing that that feeling of freedom like that this that again is hard to put into words there's this distinct feeling that i'm thinking of but it's so hard to put into. and i, I do you know the feeling i mean that can, when you're in the middle of nowhere and you go i could go right i could go left hold yeah. on it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. so if you're chasing that feeling i think solo is, has its advantages you know oh absolutely yeah <laughs> it's it's one of the best you also learn to trust yourself because you could second guess and the person you're with, um, I mean, you know, if you say, okay, let's go left and it's your decision and left sucks, <laughs> you've let that other person down. Yeah. At least a lot of people are going to take that on, you know, as guilt. Um, mm. But if, you know, if you go left and it's awesome, you made that decision. And next time you're faced with left or right, you're going to feel more confident in making that decision. And it doesn't depend on anyone else to praise or, um, or, you know, drag you down in that. That's totally true. Totally true. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, this is fun. I love this conversation. It's great. I love, I love kind of, I don't know. I can't be, 
I don't have much time for like, so, you know, why did you do this? How did you start that? Okay, cool. Here's the end. You know, it's like, I want to get down to it, man. Let's do this, you know? Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sure we just did. (laughs) Loving it, loving it. So, I mean, do you, would you like to tell your story? I think I would. I think now's the time. I think okay. I would, yeah. I think that would be great. So here's the big question. If you could give the story a name, what would you call it? Still haven't thought of one. <laughs> I'm on, you're on the spot now. Oh, God. <sighs> All right, I'm, ba- I'm bailing. I'm going to edit out. I, I'm going to edit out. I'm bailing. No, no, don't edit this out. <laughs> no, I have I to. Got, I got, I'll, I'll title it for you. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Love on the Ganges. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's the one. That's the one. I- We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> I think I'll call this Love on the Ganges. <laughs> I love it. Because that was my idea and definitely not yours. <laughs> right? <laughs> go <Absolutely>. with me here. <laughs> Credibility on the line here. <laughs> so great. <laughs> All right. You're listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Here's Hayden Lee with Love on the Ganges. living in an ashram in Rishikesh, northern India. It's about a seven-hour bus journey from New Delhi. And I was there with my good friend Shalesh. He's from LA. He's from all over the place, but he's Indian. He speaks Hindi. He was my guy. He helped me out. It's me, him, and a bunch of yogis and everyone like this. It was on the bank of the Ganges, just at the foothills of the Himalayas, a glorious, glorious place. Now, one of these nights, we were down on the beach. It wasn't a real beach. It was a beach made by the Ganges, a little beach part. So we were down there and we were playing guitar and we were drinking and we were smoking and we were doing everything that you should do on a beach on the Ganges. And time was getting on. It was about like two o'clock went past and then 3 a.m. went past and 4 a.m. went past. And we decided, right, that's it. We're going to go to bed, right? So we head off to bed. About two hours later, I'm woken up by Shalesh. He says, dude, dude, we're all going to take a raft down the Ganges. Are you coming? And after two hours sleep, I said, no, 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 there's no way I'm doing that. He says, dude, but remember, you've got to say yes to everything. Remember, that's what you said. You've got to say yes to everything. I said, ah, curse past me. I have to. So I said, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. He says, cool, we're leaving in five. So a bunch of us pile into this 4 before and get right up into the mountains where we get our raft. So we start the rafting. Now there's around eight of us in this raft. I'm on the front right. Shalesh is on the front left. Everyone else is behind us. Worst positions to be in. <laughs> it was the worst and also the best. So we're heading down the Ganges in this raft and it's ridiculous. It's like, it starts off pretty nice. But then it gets a little choppy. It gets a little little wavy. Things start to happen and we start moving around and we start getting thrown around and everything like this and everyone's holding on and they're trying to tell us what to do if it goes over and all this stuff, right? As this is happening, the guy at the front of our raft, there was a guy telling us what to do if we needed it. The guy at the front of our raft, he pointed and he said something in Hindi. Everyone looked, so I looked as well. And what there was, was a skeleton stuck on this rock in the Ganges 
wearing clothes and it was clean. It had obviously been there for quite some time. Some guy had obviously been stuck on a rock and just been cleaned off by the Ganges. And everyone just said, yeah, just another body, cool. And we carried on going. So we're heading down and it's getting choppier and choppier and harder to hold on and harder to hold on. And then we hit this wave. And as soon as we hit that wave, the raft just flips straight over. Now this is a weird position because everyone on the left and mysteriously everyone behind me seemed to get thrown forwards in the direction that the current was going. And I seemed to go under the raft and get spewed out the bottom of it and go completely in the other direction. So when you hit the Ganges water, it's so cold. It's immediate cold water shock. Your body doesn't know what to do. Your breath escapes you. You can't get any breath anymore. You cannot breathe. And you're panicking. What's happening? And as you can't breathe and as you're panicking, you realize that you're hitting off rocks. You're just smashing into rocks on the side. You're smashing into rocks below. You're getting all completely cut up by everything that's hidden by the Ganges water. And I remember thinking back to what you should do in cold water shock. And what you should do is stay calm, stay completely calm. Your breath will come back. You will eventually float as one with the Ganges. And I thought, well, that's brilliant because I'm always at my most serene when I'm careening down the Ganges, getting thrown into all these rocks. That's perfect. Eventually, I managed to calm down. I get my breath back. I'm still hitting off rocks, but I'm kind of going with it. And I find myself just floating like a completely lifeless corpse down the Ganges. I can only imagine what it looked like. I was floating like a lifeless corpse down the Ganges. And I realized that this is awesome. I'm just in this place floating down the Ganges in the Himalayas. All I can see is forests above, monkeys climbing trees and getting out of the way of what's happening underneath. It was absolutely serene. Soon after, another raft was coming up behind me. And so I thought, well, this is nice, but might as well join these guys. So I had to swim up to the raft, you know. I get in the raft. No one in there speaks English. They, were, they all speak Hindi. No one speaks English at all, right? which is fine. And so we get in the raft. I grab an oar and I just start rowing. I don't know what they're saying but I assumed they were saying, grab an oar and row. So I start rowing. And after a couple of forks in the river, a couple of bends, we come across a girl that was on my raft. Now, she was not having a good time at all. She was clinging onto a rock, and I could see her head bobbing up and down in the water. She was unable to control herself with her arms anymore. She was going under, swallowing water, coming back up. She was... It was not going to end well if we didn't get to her, so we start rowing fast. Everyone just doubles down on the rowing. We finally get up close to her. And the raft pulls up to her with her on my side. And I reach over from the raft, grab her life jacket, and pull her in. So I'm pulling her backwards, and she's getting into the raft forwards. I pull her in, and we both fall backwards. And we find ourselves both lying in this raft with these people that we don't know, and we lock eyes. 
and she looks into mine and I look into hers and this overwhelming feeling just come over me I don't know what it was to this day and I couldn't control what my mind was thinking and all of these thoughts were racing through my head but at the same time no thoughts were in my head at all still to this day can't think of a word to sum up this feeling that I had in this moment. The only word that comes anywhere close to it is love. And I know she felt it too. I could see it in her eyes. I could see the cogs moving in her head in the same pattern as they were in mine. We were two people connected by this intimate moment, but disconnected by an uncommon language. I didn't know what to do, what to call this, what was going to happen, what did this mean? So I grabbed an oar, and I rowed. Sooner or later, we got back to shore. Shalesh was waiting on the shore for me. He runs up, he goes, dude, dude, you okay? I was on cloud nine. I said, man, I'm in love. So we head back. We all shuffle into the four before, and we head back to the ashram. Now my sole mission when we got back there was to find this girl, talk to her. And even though I couldn't talk to her, we were separated by language. What was I going to say? What was what was I going to try and get across anyway? Even if we spoke the same language, what would I say? So I searched around, couldn't find her. And eventually, Shalesh comes. He goes, "Dude, she's here. She's here." Then I walk around the corner. And I see her, and she's getting into this minibus. Just as she's getting in, she turns around. We lock eyes. <laughs> we have another moment like that. She gets into the minibus, and I never saw her again. I laughed at so many points throughout that story. <laughs> awesome. Um, what is that? It was, well, I think it was, I could hear the smile in your voice as you're telling it, almost as if you're trying not to start laughing because I love the way that you told it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. our eyes locked. You know, I mean, it's like, it, it was dramatic, but it was, I mean, I, I kind of, I ha- I was hooked. I had to 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 find out what happened. You oh, know? great! That's what it's. See, uh, it's all about the narrative, man. Like it it's is. all about the narrative voice. You got to have a little bit of the baritone you voice. You totally in have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And my voice isn't 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 even half as good as Nathaniel Boyle's. But one day I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna love hearing you say that. <laughs> I've told him before. I've told. I think I've weirded him out too much. <laughs> He's like, "All right, dude, I get it. You like my voice. Got it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, amazing. where do you live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you, you never did see her again, huh? I know. I'm going back. And you the, couldn't, you didn't even, did you even share any words with her? We couldn't. We couldn't. No words. No, no words at all. I know her first name and that's it. That's all mm-hmm. I know. And um, interestingly. Kind of, sorry, go ahead. Interestingly, she was named after the, so we were living in an ashram and we were kind of studying the meditation of Osho, who's this 
this old uh, Indian guy. He's not alive anymore. But as I recall it, he moved from India because he was so um, the things he was teaching were were not very Indian. He was against marriage. He was, he's very free love and everything like this. And I'm making this ashram sound so bad. But um, so he moved to the U.S. and then um, you know what you Americans are like. He, like he gained a cult following. So. Um, and so, um, yeah, then he got the kicked out of the US. Bad. Yeah, that's it, right? And then he got kicked out of the US. So, as a, if I recall it rightly, but she was named after him, a feminine version of his name. Oshin was her name. Mm. But yeah, that's all I know. You know, there's something really magical about this moment. I mean, first of all, this is, and this has nothing to do with the fact that you almost died getting flipped in a, <laughs> you know, whitewater raft in India, but, um, the, we have these moments, I think, that we come across as travelers where if it hadn't ended that way, it might not be kind of a perfect story. Um, I think we have a lot of these all ne- nearly perfect moments suspended in time in our memories and in our hearts. And I know that might sound cheesy, but I really do mean that, that we come across in our travels. And because we're coming in and out of so many things as we travel, that's just the nature of how that they, how they exist in time. You know, you you pass by them and they, they happen and you have a moment and you connect maybe with someone or something, something happens and then you move on. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, two things with that, like, so firstly, the, when I was kind of bedridden and really having a bad time with dengue fever, which was the following week from this story. So, oh, um, man. Yeah, it's terrible. So, See, this would have ruined the story. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was perfect. Good yeah, thing right? she didn't stick around for you to be ill, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to stay with this guy. You know? <laughs> he can't even retain water. What's he doing? But yeah, so, um, so yeah, when all that was happening, the main guy at the ashram, he was like, right, he was, we were having a heart-to-heart because every conversation you have in an ashram is a heart to heart and so he was saying look i can i can find out where you know where she's from i can probably get a number i can try and swing an email address i can sort this out dude and i was like man i appreciate that but i want to leave it at that you know what i mean that's exactly how i want to leave it and the second part of what i was going to say was you made me think of because you said these things happen in time and they're suspended in that time they only exist during that time period right and so mm-hmm. this this made me think of this thing that i started uh back in australia and continued through which was and i, I got told the word for it from this guy from washington in brisbane australia and he said they're called minis right which i kind of like and it's basically you meet a girl or a boy and it's a mini relationship, right? You start one, it's like an island romance. But the point is, it's not a fling. It's not all physical. It's, you know, all of this stuff. But if you have, like, I'm leaving in two weeks, I'm leaving in three months, I'm leaving in whatever, then there's an end date. And what that does is allows complete and full vulnerability. You're not thinking, well, what's she thinking? Maybe if I say this, then he'll think mm-hmm. I mean that. And all of this stuff, you're completely free to be yourself and give yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's the most magical experience. And at the end of it, you just go, this was amazing thank you and then you leave and i cannot say uh like you know more about it it's so it's so good you know it's one of the things i've really um brought back with me you know what do you think about that i i actually love that because it i mean i've done that Mm. i mean i've been traveling for what i don't know 13 years so there have certainly been points along those years where that's happened to me and uh and It's not, you know, I've struggled to explain them in the past because they're not like just like a fling or something. It's just, it's a time. It's a time 
time you have hmm. where you share life with that person. Yes. You know, and it's, I mean, it's almost, it's hard to explain in normalcy. It's hard to explain mm-hmm. society surrounded by a society of, of normalcy. Like when you, when you go back and you're trying to tell someone who maybe just, you know, hasn't left that town or whatever, it's totally different from that, but it has a lot of power because you're also in a different place and you're already in a place of adventure. And I think it just opens you up more. Mm. Oh, um, absolutely. It's that, th- I think the, the key word, at least for me, was the vulnerability because that's, yeah. I think vulnerability is the key to almost anything in life. Mm-hmm. If you don't put yourself out there and be vulnerable, then you can't mm-hmm. accept anything in return. And yeah, it's yeah. those first two weeks, those first three months, even if you're just, even if you're in the town you always grew up in, those first two weeks or three months are always amazing. Oh, first six months, first year, first whatever. It's always amazing, right? And not to get you know, cynical about relationships in any way, but having that and then leaving it, that is very similar to how I said to the, the Indian guy, how I said, I want to leave the story at that because it's a perfect story. You want yeah. to leave the relationship at that because it was a perfect relationship. I've, I've had relationships of, of three months that are worth far more to me now than ones that were two, three years, you know, mm-hmm. and it's about what you do in that time. It's, I don't know. I love it. I think that we as have human tendencies and I don't like this isn't a blaming thing. I think we all do this, but we have a curiosity to to, to find out where something is going to go. And so we want to pursue it. It's really hard to stop and let something be suspended in time. It's really hard to do that, but I think that it has great benefits. Oh, absolutely. I think that covers all aspects of travel as well, really, being able to oh, yeah. not know where that's... you're going, you know? And uh, that's that's such a key thing, not knowing where you're going. There's a, f- a few thousand phrases there about traveling and not where, knowing where you're going, but right. it really is key. I love that, you know? Well, thank you for sharing that story. I think it's... Uh... I love that that's the story that you chose. Why did you choose that story? Well, <laughs> there's so I I'm that guy that just always tells stories. I mean, I have so many. I almost died four times. I mean, <laughs> I have so many stories about everything. And someone could, <laughs> someone could say anything like, oh, I bought a couch the other day. I, well, I've got a story about couches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything is a story, right? So, and then I thought, well, which one am I going to tell? And then I thought about the, the, the point of the story and what I want what emotions I want to get across and what I want, what I would like people to to do and harness these emotions, you know? And so that one really brings out to me emotions that are key to everyone. Emotions of kind of, I don't know, love and loss and wonder what could have been, what could be. And, and it's, and it's exciting. And it kind of, it evokes this wonder that I think begins people on this course of both discovery and self-discovery. And that's what I wanted to, to really drive upon really. So that was, and I just, it it was, it was, you know, one of those times where I could get at the baritone voice, you know, so (laughs) it worked well. (laughs) The dramatic voice. Yeah. (laughs) And when you think, when you think back on that story, what is the lesson that you've taken with you? When you're in a raft, go in the middle. Um, <laughs> uh, apart from that, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, of course, there's there's one key key moral to that story, which is say yes to everything. That is the key moral. Like when I got up, I didn't only not say yes; I flat out said no. <laughs> you know, and it was only because of Shalesh who 
way for you keen listeners is on episode two with his own story. That guy's amazing. But yeah, so if it wasn't for him, I would have said no. And then I wouldn't have had any of this happen to me. And then it just made me think, what if I've said no to all of the things that I've said yes to in the past? Like, for example, a short one, um, when I arrived in Saigon, I, I don't know whether I told you this, this story before, but when I arrived in Saigon, there was a guy there. Uh, he pulled up next to me on his motorbike. I was looking for a hostel or whatever. He had eight fingers and he was really old and he pulled up to me and he was like, come on, come on. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. Whatever you're selling, I'm good, I'm good. And then he hands me this book and it's, and I open this book. It says, if you're reading this, you're standing in front of Captain Kim. Go with this man. So I thought, let's what? do this. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, let's do, I read it. It was in German. It was in Portuguese. It was in Spanish. It was in everything. So I thought, well, you know, who would lie in a book, you know? So, um, so I was like, yeah, sounds good. So I got on his bike and he, he barely spoke English. So I got on his bike and then we rode off uh, from Saigon and about two hours later down the road, I was still on the back of his bike. I'm like, I wonder where I am. Oh but, my goodness. But that led to, that led to the beginning of my Vietnamese journey. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made, you know? Well, you can't end it with that. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> should we should we pause this? You should you should tell that story later. You should tell that story later. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll uh, I'll have to have you on again sometime and we can finish okay. that story. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> okay, great. Well, okay. is there anything else that you'd like to add? Let's see. Um, <clears throat> I think that I think that the listeners to this show, they know a lot of my of my feelings about travel. They know I'm all about the freedom. They know I'm all about the the saying yes to everything and really finding out about yourself. And I feel that I get a lot of, so I get a lot of emails and a lot of them say, you know, what do I do about earning the money to travel? What do I do about funding my travel? And you know what I say to every one of them? I say, check out the budget minor travel. I literally say that to every single <laughs> oh one <gosh>. of them. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I send everyone there, go yes. budget minor traveler. That's the one. That's what taught me. Then that's what will teach yes. you. you awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'd say. But also um, some of the other questions I get are about making that change in your mind to go do it. And I think a lot of people, so I had this one today, for example, I had this one today and I, I hope he doesn't mind. I'm not going to give his name out. So I'm sure, I'm not sure he'll mind whether I say this, but he said, he said, I probably would have gone traveling already, or I, I want to go traveling and I will do it, but I'm kind of, I'm nervous and I'm worried and I'm shy and I'm, I'm all these things. And there were all these roadblocks as to why he can't do it, you know? And also similarly roadblocks, um, such as I'm too poor. I mean, a nine to five, all these other things, they're all roadblocks, right? And so what I said to him in my email back, I said, when I was 15, right? See, stories. Every single time it's a story. But I said when I was 15, <laughs> right, I, I, I wanted to be more confident, you know, because I was this punk rocker and punk rockers are generally more introverted and everything. So <laughs> I wanted to be more confident. So I was reading about it and it was saying that if you act confident, like an actor would portray someone who is confident, then you are in that moment being confident. Mm -hmm. And so... These yeah. things that we tell ourselves, I'm too shy, I can't do that, no, no, right? You know, these are just roadblocks that we're putting up in our own brains, and they don't mean anything, they're not real, they're just completely in your brain, and all you can do is just change the wiring a little bit, just think a little different, and these roadblocks just completely disappear, and you can do anything you want to do, and I know everyone says it, everyone in the public eye says, put your mind to it, and you can do your dreams, but when it comes down to it, it's kind of they're mm -hmm. kind of right you can change yeah. your thinking and with thinking comes action so th i guess that's what i'd leave i love that actually 
I think that because it's so overused is why people don't actually hear yes, it. Yes, yes, that's so right. Um, and one of the things that I've had to, that I've, to what you're saying, um, that I've kind of been practicing over the last, you know, several years is someone once said, you know, you've heard fake it till you make it. <laughs> that's, that's great. But something that actually like works behind the whole fake it till you make it thing is fake it until you become it. Because yes. you will. Yes. That's the more so the more you the more you fake it with an intent to make it, you will become it. And that's exactly the same as the the confidence thing I was talking about. You're faking it yeah. and then you're becoming it because you exactly. are doing it. That's exactly it. And I think if people and, yeah. think this way, then they can do whatever they want. If that's travel the world or if that's just go out and see the Eiffel Tower, you know, it doesn't matter what it is as long as they go and do it. And I promised everyone as soon and you can back me up on this, Jackie, as they've done it once and they've seen what it's like, they will do it again and again and again. There's a reason they call it the travel book. There is a reason, absolutely. <laughs> and it bites hard, beware. It gives you dengue fever, yeah. <laughs> it gives you dengue. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> yeah, whatever that. Don't worry, guys, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Don't trust eight-fingered old men in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> no, do, he was lovely. <laughs> yeah, do, say yes. Yeah, say that's it. Awesome. Well, great. Hayden, you're a star of your own show. Oh, well, would you look at that? Finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> it's been really fun. Thank you for for having me on and for giving me the opportunity to, uh, you know, take the mic from you. Oh, it's I feel been fun. I feel back in the host position now. This feels weird. Um, uh oh, I know. I'll finish it out for you. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much. Uh, hey, where can people find you? They can find me on this podcast. Um, <laughs> they can find me here. They can find me at Travel Stories Podcast. In fact, they can uh, add me on Twitter. Do you add people on Twitter? Follow people? I don't. Know. You can follow me on Twitter at Travel Stories UK. I'll say this anyway in the episode, but you can email me Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast dot com. That's H A Y D E N. I do answer everything. And if you want some amazing tips on traveling, if you want to know how to get the funds to do it, if you want to know where to go, how to do it, what to see, who to meet, then listen to The Budget-Minded Traveler featuring, featuring Jackie Norse. Or I Nurse. I always say Norse. Everyone does. It is nurse, though. So know, thank you. <laughs> say it like a nurse in the hospital. You'll get it. Jackie well, nurse. If you change it, then we won't have this problem. So if you could just get on that and you know, I will. Okay, I'll cool. do that. I'll put it on my list. Thanks, By the time hey. this episode comes out, that'd be cool. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. It was wicked talking to you, Jackie. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Right. Talk to you later. Okay. Remember that your actions and what you do as a person all come from what you think and how you are as a person. And if you want to be a professional basketball player and you're five foot nothing, you're going to have a difficult time. But if you want to be confident, adventurous and say yes to everything that you can do. Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at Travel Stories UK or online at travelstoriespodcast.com where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories Podcast.